If you've got a copy of God's Word, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and let me ask you a question. How did you get your name? How did you get your name? For most of us in the room, we got our name because our parents wrote it or told it to somebody and they wrote it on a sheet of paper. It became a birth certificate and that is your name. I don't know about you, but I don't really like my name. Maybe you find yourself in that same boat. But let me tell you why I don't like my name. My name is Charles Bryan Tillman. From day one, my parents knew that they were going to call me Brian, yet they made it my middle name instead of my first name, so that every time I went into a doctor's office, every time I went into a new classroom, they would state the name Charles, and Charles was not speaking up to say that he was here because I didn't know who in the world Charles was, other than it was my first name. They gave me that name for a couple of reasons. One, my dad is a junior, and he did not like his middle name, and I'm not going to disclose that name to you. It is a unique name. He did not like that, and it was given to him, and he said, I will not put you through what my dad put me through over that name. And I said, thank you very much. But what does your name mean? You and I, in our day, we give names to our kids for a number of reasons, whether it's a family name, like Charles is in my family, whether it is some characteristic that you desire to see in your kids, or maybe you just like the name, and so you pass that on. Today, we are going to start, we are beginning a series of sermons that I have titled, What's in a Name? And over the next eight weeks, we are going to look at a number of the names that God has given you and me to understand who He is. The first one that we will see this morning is the name Yahweh. If you have a copy of God's Word, Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read for us the first 15 verses, and we will see this name, Yahweh. Before I read it for us, let me just share with you a bit of history about this name. This name, Yahweh, is the personal name for Almighty God. It's the name that he gave to his covenantal people, to Israel, so that they would know him. They thought this name, Yahweh, was so reverent, was so high and unattainable that they would not state that name. If they came across Exodus chapter 3, 
verse number 14 and verse number 15, and they saw this name written in text, they wouldn't state the name. They changed the name. So they saw Yahweh, but they said Adonai. They saw Jehovah, another way to pronounce it, and they stated Adonai. But every time you and I read it in the Old Testament, the name L-O-R-D, and it is capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it is this name Yahweh. Over 6,000 times in the Old Testament, this name is recorded. It is who he is known as more than any other name, this name. And here we see it in an episode of Moses' life and in the life of the children of Israel after Joseph has gone to Egypt some 400 years after all of Israel has been in Egypt. They are now in captivity and they are crying out to God and God hears their cry. And we pick up In chapter 3, verse 1, now Moses, about 80 years of age at this moment when verse 1 takes place. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, verse 2 states, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, Moses did, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why, the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, and now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh 
that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But he said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? As I read verse 14 and I read verse 15, Kian, he states the name multiple times. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this, God's speaking again, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage, as we look at your name, Lord, Father, may we see over and over and over again, may we see these assurances that come from your name. So that our lives would be different. What a glorious name is yours. And as we just sang, you are worthy of every single attribute that is tied to you and your names. Father, I pray that this is not information only. But Father, this is you at work transforming us from the inside out. You at work drawing me, drawing us closer to you. So would you speak this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. In these 15 verses, there are four assurances that you and I are given. Four assurances that you and I are given about this name. About Yahweh. About who He is. The character, the attributes of this person, this entity, this being, our great God. So look with me at these four assurances this morning over the next few moments. The first assurance is this, God is present and aware of the situation. He he is present and aware of the situation. 
The, the situation that Israel found itself in was not a surprise to God. God had told Jacob 400 plus years before, hey Jacob, take all 70 of you and you go down to Egypt. I sent Joseph ahead of time to prepare for you and he will take care of you and I will provide for you there. And over 400 years, they went from 70 to some almost 2 million Israelites. So much that the government, the king, otherwise known as Pharaoh in Egypt, was scared to death that they were going to overtake the whole country. Egypt at its day, at this time, was the great superpower of the day. And they were afraid, not of foes on the outside but they were afraid of a group of ites from the inside, the Israelites. So much so that he had commanded to kill off every boy. Think about that. Over a million people, every boy that was born was to be killed. His own daughter did not adhere to the statement to the command of her dad when she found a Hebrew boy in a basket where she was taking a bath in the Nile. She didn't have it killed. She brought it into the house. She reared this boy as her own, and this boy grew up in the palace. His name, Moses. God is present and God is aware of this situation. If you were to look back a couple of verses before chapter 3 verse 1 in chapter 2 verses 23 through 25, God states this. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. So Pharaoh that had been on the throne died. More than likely, this is Moses' half-brother who is now on the throne in Egypt. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. This, this passage says a ton. These verses right here say a ton. They say a lot about the character of God. The attributes that He has, that He displays for you and me. Not just almost 3,000, 4,000 years ago, but even at this very moment. He knows the situation that you are in. Maybe nobody else in the world knows the situation you are in. You, you have kept the secret so well. He knows. Maybe there's just a select few who know. He knows. There is an assurance for you and there's an assurance for me about this God. This name. The Lord. Yahweh. He knows our situation. 
In this passage, you and I see extremely well his existence, that he is actually there. His habitation, where he is in heaven on high, seated on the throne. His senses, he hears things, he sees things, his knowledge, his memory, and his action. All are seen in these verses concerning the episode in Egypt and the episode that is on the backside of absolute nowhere. And maybe that's where you feel you are. Maybe you feel as if there is no direction in your life right now. The family is going all crazy and haywire. There is chaos happening at your address. He knows it. He's present in it. And all of his attributes are being acted upon in the midst of what you and I would say, we're on the backside of nowhere. We're in the middle of chaos. There is no way that he knows. He knows. And here is an example of what the God of the universe does in the midst of troubling heartache and hardships. He responds. He responds to these cries for help. In actuality, he's already responded. We're going to see in just a moment, but let me just go ahead and share with you briefly at this time, he has already prepared Moses for what he has in store for Moses over the next 40 years. I told you that Moses is probably 80 years old, back on the backside of nowhere in the wilderness, tending to, I don't know how many sheep, but he thought this is all he was going to do the rest of his days. But little did Moses know That the reason God had him run from Egypt to this place called Midian to shepherd a flock of sheep for some 40 years was that he was training him for the next 40 years. Question. Sir, you think that you are in a spot that there is just It's just mundane, day after day after day after day. Ma'am, you just find yourself in this, like Monday's the same as Tuesday, the same as Friday before, the same as next Thursday. It's all the same. Think about it. What if your day was like this? Wake up, get some breakfast, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, Go outside the tent, not the house, but the tent. Open the pen, get all the sheep out of bed and lead them to a quiet, still spot in the wilderness to sit there all day long. Now, I know John, and I know Sam, and I know Deborah, and I know this sheep, and that sheep, and that sheep, and they want to roam away from me. And so your whole day, your whole week, your whole month, your whole decade, no, your whole four decades 
Same thing every stinking day. This first assurance that you and I need to grasp, that you and I need to hold on to, is this, that God is present and He knows exactly where you are. Moms in the room. Maybe your assignment in all the chaos is to instill in your toddler to instill in your teenager, to instill in your teenager, to instill even in your adult child the love, the kindness, the direction, the steadfast endurance that only you as mom can give. Brian, I don't want that job anymore. I've had that job forever and ever and ever. Guess what? That's where he has you, Mom. Dad. Maybe your assignment just might be this. It's not going to be glitzy. It might seem like you're stuck on the backside of absolute nowhere. You're not going fast. It doesn't even seem like you're moving at all. But God is present. He is working. And he is calling you, Dad. You, sir, you, ma'am, he's calling us, student, adult, he's calling all of us. Why don't you just rest where I have you and know that I am working? I am working. I don't know about you, but have you ever seen the backside of a of a sweater that has all different types of colors on the sweater. On the front side, everything is in a great pattern, whether it's, it's circles or whatever the shape is or whatever the picture is. But on the back side, I mean, it is literal chaos. You're like, there's nothing. You look at that, it's like throw up. There is no good that this could happen. And then all you have to do is turn it over on the other side, and there it is. You and I are looking at the side so often because we look at it every stinking day. We look at it and we think, oh, all this is is just a mess. And God says, no, I'm present in this moment. And because I'm present in this moment, there is a masterpiece that is being woven. Second assurance, not only is God present and knows your situation, but God invites you and He invites me to come experience Him. It wasn't the fire that caused Moses to come see. Do you see that in those verses? If you look in verses 3 through 5, it's not the fire that that got Moses' attention. It's that the fire was burning, but it did not consume the bush. Moses had seen fires burn on the backside of the wilderness for those four decades. He had seen them. He had seen them and did not move except away from them so that the fire that consumed that bush and future bushes would not roar past him. 
But this fire, this fire was different. This fire in the midst of the ordinary day that had Moses on the backside of the wilderness tending sheep was different. A number of times I've told you I don't have very many, if any, original thoughts. But I think this is one. Ordinary days are the canvas on which God paints extraordinary works. Ordinary days. You know that Tuesday. You know last Friday. Just an ordinary day. This coming Thursday. Just an ordinary day. But on that canvas, in the midst of that day, God desires to paint an extraordinary work. Graham Riken has a quote. I think it's on the screen for us, stating this. The day had probably begun much like any other. Moses out in the wilderness tending sheep. He was simply minding his own business, but a person never knows A person never knows when his life might be changed forever by an encounter with the living God. Not a chance encounter, for it was God's providence that led Moses to the far side of the desert. Catch this last sentence. Here it is worth noticing that God did not meet Moses where Moses was, but brought Moses to the place where God was. You say, what what does that mean? It means this, that God didn't just meet Moses and doesn't just meet you where you are. But he came so close that you and I could see him and then we move to where he is. He didn't come exactly in front of Moses. He came over there by a bush. And that bush was in close proximity to Moses so that Moses could see it, could see the fire burning in it, but it not being consumed and say, hey, I've got to go over there. And God comes close to you every single day. The question for you, the question for me, knowing that he is at work around us every single day, did you see him? Did you see him at work? Were you spiritually attentive enough, ma'am, sir? Were we spiritually attentive? Were our eyes open to see that this God of the universe is working all around us? Author, pastor, Tim Keller stated it this way about this fire. Fire is dependent on fuel. The fire can only exist as long as there's combustible fuel. No fuel, no fire. Fire is dependent on the fuel. But this fire, this fire in Exodus chapter 3, this fire is not consuming the bush. What that means is it doesn't need fuel. This is a fire that depends on nothing. This is a fire that has its own infinite source of being and power. 
The second assurance for you and for me this morning is that He, God, invites us to come experience Him and He did the same to Moses. When's the last time you've experienced Him? When's the last time you've joined with Him? He's come so close by you, you've known it was Him. And you came close. Has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has it been this year? When is the last time you have experienced Him? He invites you right now to come. He invites you to come. Come experience. Come worship. When Moses came close, God said, Hey, Moses, take off your sandals because this ground is holy. And Moses took his sandals off. He bowed and hid his face in worship. Third assurance. Third assurance from this passage is this, that God commissions a man to act on his behalf. God commissions you, sir, you, ma'am, us to act on his behalf. I'm not going to take the time to go back and read the verses, but, but think about this. You, you go home in just a minute and you read them again. And Moses is yelling inside. He is champion. He is shouting. It is as if his team is scoring the winning touchdown. It's, if, it's as if his team has just hit the home run in the bottom of the ninth to win it all through verse number 9. And then in verse number 10, God points the finger of action in Moses' face. All up to that, God's saying, hey, I'm going to go get my people out of Egypt. I'm going to save them. I have heard them. I have seen what's going on, and I will deliver them. And Moses is shouting, yes, God, you go get them. And then, Moses, then God says to Moses, hey, you do it. And then all of a sudden, Moses responds back to God. There's no, no, no way, God, that I can do that. I stutter. No, God, there's no way that I can do it. Do you remember what happened some 40 years ago? I left because I killed an Egyptian. They were, for, they were coming after my head. There's no way that I can go back. All of Israel hated me. I don't know the excuse that you have stated before when God has told you to do something? I know the hundreds of excuses that I've stated. Think about this before we see the final assurance. In verse number 3, there was a fire that was burning. That fire was burning in such a way that it was not consuming the bush. It was a supernatural fire. 
I just gave you the definition that Keller stated about that fire. That there was in this fire, in this fire, this fire, it did not depend on anything except itself. This is a fire that has its own infinite source of being and power. And Moses is shown this fire. That, in and of itself, should have caused Moses to pack his bags and run to Egypt. This same God has shown me and has shown you so much more than a fire and a bush. So much more. He has demonstrated over and over and over and over again. Ma'am, sir, what does he have to do? What's he have to do? What's he have to do for us to understand this is Almighty God? God commissions a man. And maybe you find yourself like a man by the name of Philip. Philip was a friend of Martin Luther, and Philip worried. He worried all the time. He worried so much that every time Martin Luther would see him worrying, every time that Martin Luther would see him acting in such a way, he would say this to Philip. Hey, let Philip cease to rule the world. Let Philip cease to rule the world. What he was trying to say was this. Philip... Worry and anxiety is laboring under the illusion that you have to keep things spinning. Ma'am, do you think you have to keep things spinning? Sir, do you think you have to keep things spinning in this world? That you have to keep it all together? That everything depends on you? Luther would finish by saying, nothing depends on you, Philip. Never has. Nothing depends on you. The earth is going to spin. Today is going to turn into tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to turn into Tuesday. And it's going to keep going. And there's nothing that you can do, ma'am, to stop it. There's nothing that you can do to make it happen. It's happening. The assurance is that God has a work for you and He has a work for me to do. A fourth and final assurance is this. In verses 14 and 15, God reveals His character and His name. Look there in verse 14 again. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this is God, say to this people, Israel, I am has sent you to me. If you're wondering, Moses, who sent you, if you're really wondering and they're, you think they're actually going to ask why in the world you are here, tell them I am sent you. Catch this. 
God desires for you to know his character just like he's desired for Moses to know his character, just like he desired for the children of Israel to know his character. Before he is going to tell you his personal name, he wants you to understand who he is. And here is who He is. He is a God who is present. There is no past. There is no future. There is now. And God is. The Creator of time stood outside of His creation and created. And He sees every ounce and second of time. All. At once. And he is. So say to them, I am has sent you. And God also said to Moses, Say to this people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to God reveals His character and statement in His statement of I am who I am. Then, and only then, does God reveal His name, Yahweh. Over and over and over again, God has revealed Himself. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus used that name. I am. Seven times. To full completion, he said, I am. Seven times. Letting everyone in the first century that heard him, and everyone who has read the gospel accounts, that the same God in Exodus 3 is the same one you and I know as Jesus. And he has come and shown you himself. Four assurances. How will you respond? How will you and I respond? Heavenly Father, thank you for information. God, you alone can change an individual. Father, my prayer has been and it will continue to be as we see you and your character over these weeks, as we see you. Father, would you change us from the inside? Transform us. Father, I I know that there are those in this place right now that are going through hardship. God, they are going through news of loved ones that, Father, it seems these are the last days. They're walking through relationships that, Father, are being torn apart right now. God, may they see you. May they they know You. Your character. Your 
attributes, your essence, your being. May they know you as they walk these hard, hard roads. Father, may we, those of us that aren't going through this at the moment, may we, may we dig deep in this moment of calm to prepare for what is ahead, knowing who you are and, Father, how you have loved us. Father, this time is yours. All time is yours. This time is yours. We ask that you would speak that you would draw us, convict us, encourage us. For you are worthy. In Christ's name, amen. Stand and join with us as we sing and respond back to him. <laughs>